0: Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody, once again. I hope we're doing well. Um, Pastor Phil has the opportunity this morning to be speaking at Evident Church, one of our sister churches, this morning. And so that's where he is. And so I get the honor to speak to you this morning. I know a lot of you saying, hey, Pastor Dan, you look a little different. And I know I've lost some weight, feeling pretty good about it, and some hair, and that also happens too, and so I've gotten lots of questions over the last several weeks, like, hey, what happened? Male pattern baldness is the best ex- explanation, um, and so I, I was, I've been losing my hair, and I figured I'd take it before the Lord could take it from me, um, and so that's kind of how it goes. Uh, I can grow it back. Uh, it's a little thinner up on top, and it may happen because, well, my wife hates my head right now. And it's just one of those things that I have to deal with, and so I may grow some of it back, but we'll see. So who knows, next week, because I can grow it like that, you know, it just, it'll just pop up and we'll be all set. But uh, for now, this is what you get. But we are kicking off a series today called The Bridge. The Bridge, and we're going to be over the next six or seven weeks being we talk about... Um, different bridges in our life that connect us to God. Kind of the tagline is discovering the other side of your story. What is that next step? What is that connection point that we have? And I couldn't start a series off without talking about some of the most famous bridges out there, in my opinion, that, that we have across the world. Because there's a lot of cool ones. Um, one of my favorites is the London Bridge uh, in, in England. And for me, whenever I see this bridge, I just think of Peter Pan. Um, you know, the, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. You know, And so as they're, they're all across place so that, that's one of my favorite bridges the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco um, it's a great iconic bridge up until 1964 was considered the longest suspension bridge in the world and so that's an iconic bridge. There's a bridge in southern France, I want to make sure I say the name right, it's called the Malau Bridge. Now this bridge is impressive, this bridge is 1.5 miles across but more more impressively this bridge if you can see it's pretty tall, that stands 1,125 feet above the ground. Can you imagine being on that thing as you go across? You can imagine, I won't do it. Um, It's just not going to happen. I'm not getting on that bridge. But the Sydney Harbor Bridge um, in Australia is considered to be one of the most photographed bridges in all of the world. From people who don't have Google, apparently. So... I mean, just go on there and get that picture, so that, that's where that is. There's the Akashi Kaiko Bridge in Japan, and uh, this spans 2.4 miles long, and is considered the longest suspension bridge in the world currently. That, that from tower to tower on that bridge is 1.2 miles long, um, from tower to tower is that bridge. And I don't think we can talk about bridges without coming a little closer to home, because I think the great state of Michigan has a couple of great bridges. Um, The Mackinac Bridge, right? That's a great bridge, uh, almost five miles long. Um, Now, some people say that that's a suspension bridge too, but it's not a suspension bridge all five miles, and that's why it does not reach that amount, uh, the longest bridge in the world. Um, And then in our backyard, the Blue Water Bridge, right? Uh, You can't talk about bridges without talking about the Blue Water Bridge, and this is a 6,000 feet long bridge that connects the USA, to Canada, that goes over Lake Huron. It's a great bridge. Bridges are awesome, and here's the deal. Bridges help us out, right? We need bridges in life. And so let me talk to you about what a bridge is. A bridge is to provide a passage over an obstacle, usually something that can be detriment to cross otherwise. And so we need bridges to go down paths that we couldn't normally do that, yes, we may find another path a long ways down, but the bridge is the most direct path. And so we create these bridges in our life to get over obstacles that maybe we couldn't normally do on our own. And that's somewhat of our spiritual journey as well, uh, to create bridges in our life to connect to God. Right. So if a bridge doesn't complete that, if a bridge doesn't go over an obstacle, it doesn't isn't necessary. Then why do we have bridges? It's kind of like there'd be a bridge to nowhere. Now in um, Cholutica, I want to make sure I say Cholutica, Honduras, there was a bridge that was built. Um, in 1937 is when that bridge was completed and uh, the chalutica bridge was over the Ch- chalutica uh, river that kind of connected Guatemala and Panama and it was one of the major at the times major trade routes and the deal is when they built this bridge they needed this bridge to stand hurricanes this place gets hurricanes All the time. And so they actually brought in some architects from Japan to help them out to make sure that this thing could withstand any hurricane that would come in. So they did that. They they built a reinforced bridge that nothing could knock this bridge down. It was pretty impressive at the time. Um, Probably one of the most, at the time, one of the most expensive bridges that was ever built in the world at the time when it was built in 1937. And so hurricanes came, storms came, and this bridge withstood all of it. It was great. It made everything happen. And then Hurricane Mitch. How many of you remember Hurricane Mitch? Remember Hurricane Mitch that came through? In 1998, Hurricane Mitch came through the area and tore everything up. So all the area around it, um, other bridges around it, it was all torn up, except the Tolutica Bridge survived. I mean, it did exactly Exactly what it was intended to is to survive a hurricane of mass destruction. I mean, and we're talking bridges all over the place taken out. The thing that the bridge people when they created this did not take into consideration, that not only were other bridges taken out, but this bridge was stood, but landscape was taken out. So the roads were taken out on either side of this bridge, and even more importantly, the river, the Tolutica River, which which the bridge overcrossed, that actually got rerouted. So the bridge didn't take. This is what the bridge looked like right after that. I mean, you can see the sand. You can't even see the roads. And then you see that river is on the other side. It's not even there anymore. That is the same bridge that we just saw the picture of before. This bridge quickly became, became the, the, the bridge to nowhere. That's what they called it. It's the bridge to nowhere. It wasn't until 2003 when they actually reconnected this to make this bridge actually a functional bridge bridge. I mean, it's just crazy to think about how we have that. The the bridge was built structurally sound, but the landscape changed so much around that. As we are looking at our lives, and we're looking at our spiritual life, I think that God has us on a path, and the problem is, is when we're not following God's path, we kind of end up on a bridge to nowhere, and we're looking at how do we connect ourselves to God. You see, when we look at scripture, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. There was something that happened there where God had an intention for his people. And it went a little different than what was intended. You see, God and his people, the goal was for have relational bliss, that we were supposed to be connected. And I think I have a picture that kind of shows where you see God's people and God, and if you notice, there's nothing on that to, to keep people to get to God. That connection was happening in the Garden of Eden, the relationship was supposed to be that we could communicate, could talk. But what had happened is, and a lot of us know the story, that Adam and Eve, they, they did not follow what God's guidelines were. And what happened was there's this separation that happened from God and his people, and it would look like this. Where you actually see there is a space, there's a gap that keeps us from getting closer to God. And what that causes in our life is a how do we get over that obstacle. Remember, a bridge is to take us from one place to another that, that overcomes an obstacle that would be detrimental, that would potentially have the ability to kill us if we could not get over there. And so that was the goal. That is where our people are left, is trying to figure out how do we get to God. Now, for us in, in the Christian world, a lot of us, we know the stories, we know how it goes, but until we fully understand the need for the bridge and we understand what is that space in between, that leaves us at a place where how can we fully understand why we need the bridge and what goes into it? And I'd like to look at that today. I'd like to take us to look at what are the things that are happening that had caused that separation and the need. For the bridge. And so we're gonna be looking in Genesis chapter three, but I want us to go back a little bit to chapter two, because I wanna, I want you to see what the command God did. See, Genesis um, chapter one, God created the earth. In five days, He created everything around the earth, uh, heavens, earth, all this stuff. On day six, He created man, right? So He created us. And then on day seven, He took a nap because even God likes to take naps. Um, And so that's kind of, that's a spiritual insight to you. Um, And then what he did is when he created the garden in there, he gave a command to Adam and Eve, and he told them this. In chapter 2, verse 15, he says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And so he says, hey, this whole garden, everything that you have, everything that you see is yours. Take it, eat it, all that, except one rule. There's one tree, tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's in the middle. You can't eat that. You Eat that, you're going to die. Everything else you got, all right? So that's the command. That's where we start. So then they're in the garden, and we're gonna look at this in chapter three. And what happens here though is there's this talking serpent in the garden, aka Satan, right? And he begins to talk to Adam and Eve, and as he speaks to them, he begins to tell them some lies. And these lies they begin to build into. And what I have found is in this, when we look at these lies, this is where the separation is gonna occur. And, and because I believe history repeats itself, it is important for us because I believe even today Satan is telling us these same lies. And so I'd like to look at this. Chapter 3, verse 1 is where we're going to start. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And this is is where we're going to see our first lie. And a lot of times I I feel that Satan doesn't come out and just say, Hey, here's a bold-faced lie, but he just asks us questions that kind of lead us to that, that location. And so the first lie that you see here is that God didn't say it. God didn't say it. Did you notice that there? The question that Satan asks is, says, did God really say? Did he really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You know, this is one of those things that when we start looking at Scripture, we start questioning certain things. when, When sin is in around things, when things are not doing what we're supposed to, we start questioning God's actual word in life. But we start going to other people, maybe, and ask them their opinion. Or we type it into Google, right, and say, hey, what am I supposed to do here? Instead of going to the word of God here. And so Satan actually plants that doubt, that seed of doubt. And he says, "Did did God really say that? And I don't know about your life and the things that are kind of leading you down different paths. But have you ever gotten to that place where you started questioning what did God really say? where instead of going to God's Word, we start asking other people. I, I find it interesting that when you look at Old Testament and New Testament, the way that the Word of God was read was actually memorized. They, they, they didn't have the ability for printing presses at that time until later on, and so they actually had to memorize what God's Word said. So they ha- hid it in their heart. They knew what it was said so that they could call upon it whenever they wanted. And so they knew exactly what was going on. We live in a world where on our phones we have our Bible at any time we want, right? That, that there are Bibles everywhere you go Every hotel room has there's, there's printed Bibles a lot of places But also on our phone And yet we still ask the question so often Well, is that really what it said? I, I, I get that question a lot Like as a pastor They'll come and say Well, what did God say about this? And I'm like Did you not get one of these? Like when they're handing these out They just didn't pick one up or what? Right? Because we, we get to a place in life where we start believing the word of other people or we believe um, what, what the internet says because everything on your Google search, whatever's the top one, has to be true, right? It's the first one that shows up. So when I type in, hey, what does this mean, just click on it and it has to be right. We have we've become a society that has forgotten the meaning of this word. The truth of it. The the whole purpose we spent the last four or five weeks on the essential gospel that Pastor Phil had us go through is because of how important this word is. You see, one of the biggest lies from the enemy is that Satan is going to try and get us to question God's word. did, Did he really say that? And he's begun to begin to plant a seed of doubt in us. And that doubt does several different things for us. The first thing is we doubt that it was actually said. We actually start saying, okay, I don't even know if it was in there. I don't even know if what God was saying was true, and I start questioning that. And so we're looking for references. We're, we're thumbing through our Bibles trying to find that because we're doubting what God has put on our heart. Uh, I, the second thing that happens with doubt in there is that if it was said, we doubt its actual purpose for us. I, I don't really think that it was meant for me. I mean, yeah, that might have been in there on that page, but they weren't really talking to me I mean, how many of you ever sat in here and, and, and Pastor Phil's been preaching, like, oh, this is a good word for my spouse. <laughs> this is an amazing word, amazing word for this one person I wish they were here. Right? We start doubting even the purpose that it was for us. Oh, I've got that taken care of, God. I knew I came here today to bring this person to hear that. And so every five seconds I look over, did you get that? Hey, listen, it's for you. Right? We begin to doubt the purpose of God's word. Did God really say that for me? No. The other thing when doubt comes in, we even, we even begin to change the text to fit what we think is right. No, notice this is this is great. Okay, it's not good, but this is what happened. God's commandment, if you look at this in chapter two, is you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. That's the command, right? Did you notice what Eve's response was to the serpent? She actually says, okay, we may eat from any tree. Okay, that's good. The garden uh, that God said, you must not eat from, the, from the, the tree that is in the middle of the garden. He actually gives a specific name. He says just this one tree, not just a general. But then she goes on and says, and you must not even touch it or you will die. She added something. Now, is it bad? I mean, if you're not touching it, you're not going to eat it, right? Unless, I don't know. But uh, it's one of those things But she added. She changed the text. And what what happens is, when we start believing the lies that Satan tells, when we start believing that God's Word is not God's Word, did he even say that, we start changing it even. Well, actually, I think he might have said this, and we start adding to it. We start changing it. it. It becomes something different than what it originally was meant to be. See, Satan's he's crafty. That's why it starts that way. He says, hey, you got to look at that. The second lie, though, he goes on. The second lie, he says to them, is you will not surely die. He tells them, you will not surely die. And and the lie you see here is that God actually didn't mean it. Because God says, no, you're going to die. And and this was a half-truth, right? Those those count. A half-truth. He says, says, you're not going to die from that. And what, what Satan was talking about was the immediate consequences. They did not die. But remember, God, when, they, when he created Adam and Eve, when he created mankind, the goal was to have permanent union with us. We didn't have an ending. There was no death at the time. We were supposed to live forever. And so when he says you will not surely die, he meant immediately you won't die. But death is now in the world. So at some point in time, you are, you're going to die. And, and the deal is, is what Satan was trying to say is, is, hey, guess what? Those consequences that you think are going to be there, God didn't mean that. I mean, you're not really, really going to die. We have uh, about 15 months ago, we got to adopt a little boy named Wilson. It's been 15 months. He's been awesome. So it's been great, and he's been in the home. And he, um, uh, it's been awesome in a couple ways, but I want to let you know that um, the honeymoon phase is over. Um, he is all four and all boy and he's expressing that in our home. Uh, if anybody's had a four-year-old, you know what that means. And so he is amazing. We love him. But he is trying to learn what boundaries look like and what rules look like. And that's just the process of parenting, right? And so that's what we got ourselves into. But one of the biggest things that I think Wilson has learned as a child is that when we are out in public, mom and dad don't like to, to punish as much, right? And I don't know if you ever had a kid like this. Like when you go into a store, they feel like they can run wherever. And because they kind of this idea like, ooh, they don't yell as loud here. Um, they don't like to do the normal stuff, you know, so so they kind of push their boundaries. And so, um, and Wilson is a typical four-year-old that likes to push his boundaries. And so we've been trying to be more creative because he has been getting more um, more for as he gets older. And uh, and so one of the things that we've been doing is trying to say, okay, Wilson, um, hey, we're not going to get in trouble here. But when we get home, you're going to get in trouble. Here, you're going to get some consequences at home. And I remember, like, one of the first times through this, he's like, okay. Like, right? He didn't know what that meant. Like, he's just like, all right. And so he goes and does his own thing. It's a tough time. But then when we get home, we're like, all right, dude, let's go up to the room. All right, it's time to get in trouble. And he's like, what? And we're like, yeah. Remember when we told you we were going to get in trouble? And, I mean, in his four-year-old brain, he doesn't fully understand, but we're trying to teach him. So we go upstairs and we explain that, and the consequences of the actions come, right? And he's like... Well, this isn't good, you know, like, and in, in the way the four-year-olds express that. And I remember the next time we're out, and it's like, hey, you're going to get in trouble. You do that again. And so we tell him, hey, when we get home, and he's like, no, 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 because he remembered, right? He's like, no, no, I know not when I get home. No, 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 no. Yeah, when we get home, this is what's going to happen. Oh, no, I'd be good. And then he starts, telling, he tries to be better, right? And so when we get home, sure enough, I'm a good parent. We follow through on, the, on what we said we're going to do. And so we get up there, and, and we're getting to a place we're not perfect yet. Right? That when we say, hey, when we get home, he's starting to fully understand what that looks like. At the beginning, though, he didn't have an idea that that if he didn't get in trouble right away, then he thought he got away with it. Right? Because there was no immediate consequence that would happen. Satan does that with us. Satan tries to tell us, hey, if it doesn't happen immediately the way God said it, that means you're scot-free, there's no punishment, you're not in trouble, there are no consequences to your actions, and so we begin to live in this place like, ah, there's nothing that's going to happen, that God's word, he didn't mean it, he didn't mean it, and we begin to walk through our, our life when we believe that lie that, hey, what's the big deal? God didn't mean what he said so like that consequence of happen because because if it doesn't happen immediately we feel we'll get away with it. When God like a good God and a good dad, a good parent, when he says he's going to do something, he does it. But it does not always mean in the immediate time frame. We as believers have to understand that God means what he says. And when there are consequences to actions, that if they don't happen immediately, it doesn't mean they won't happen. That's a lie that we have to start changing in our head. We have to understand that God speaks truth in everything he does. The third thing, that lie that that I think happens here, is you'll see that because he says in verse 4, it says, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. But in verse 5, it goes on and says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he says, hey, not only, not only are there no consequences, you're not going to die, but you're actually going to get more. It, the lie that he's telling here is, you know what, God's been holding out on you. God, God is holding out. There is something better and God wants to keep that from you. He doesn't, he doesn't love you the way he says he does, and, and he doesn't know what's best, and so here's what it is. And that's like, when, when I was little, um, my parents said, Hey, don't watch scary movies, they'll give you nightmares. And, and I'm like, Whatever. Um, you just want to watch all the scary movies yourself, and it's all better for you, and I just can't watch them. And I remember um, when I was like in fifth grade, I went over to a friend's house, um, and they had a movie there that was called Child's Play. Um, and I don't know if you've seen Child's Play. We're not going to raise hands because it's not a good movie and you shouldn't be watching it. Um, but, but it's about this little doll named Chucky. And Chucky comes to life and does really, really bad things. Um, and I remember we go, and my friend wasn't supposed to be watching it either, but we had this movie. It was back when VHSs that were out, you know. And so we had VHS, and, and we watched this movie. And can I tell you, for about five years, I couldn't look at a doll without freaking out. Like, I seriously, I was like, you'd see a dog, anything with red hair, and I'm just like, I think it just moved. It's going to come get me, right? And, 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 and my parents told me that, right? They told me, Dan, Dan, if you watch scary movies, they're, they're going to give you nightmares. It's going to be freaky. You can't do that. And guess what? They were Right? At the time, I got to be honest, I I was feeling like they were just kind of like, whatever. You don't know what's best for me. You're holding out. You want to do that yourself. I get that. Okay, that's an adult thing. No. They're trying to protect me, right? They were trying to save me from that. There's things that we do that all the time for kids, right? Don't touch the stove, little boy, because it's hot. And then one out of every three kids, what? Touches the stove. And then... When they get burned, they're surprised. Ow, that hurt. Duh. What did you think I said don't touch the stove for? Right? Because I know as a parent I'm trying to help you out. Um, don't use scissors on your own head. I didn't listen. Right? Don't use scissors on your sibling's head. Why? Because you're not a hairdresser. You can't do haircuts. And then you get those great family pictures, and we probably all have at least one, where someone else used scissors on someone's head, right? Um, Don't put stuff in electrical outlets. Eh, duh, right? But for a little kid, we have to tell them, not because we're trying to keep them from some magical surge, right? We're trying to save their life. Don't put stuff in your ears, up your nose, or anywhere else on your body. And how many of us had to go to the doctor with tweezers or whatever else and pull marbles or whatever else, right? We're not trying to ruin your fun. As a parent, we're trying to protect you. My one that I, my biggest regret in life take your nap because one day you'll miss them. I feel parents should have really pushed this a lot more. And Pastor Phil will not give us nap time at church, and so therefore I'm stuck, right? Parents are trying to help their children with these. They're not trying to keep them from their fun. But yet when God, as the parent, says, hey, don't do this, we think that, hey, maybe he's holding out on us. He's keeping that for himself. He knows something that we don't know, right? And that's just not the way it is. It's okay for a parent to talk to a four-year-old, three-year-old, two-year-old, and give them these rules. But for God, as our parent, to give these rules, don't have sex until you're married. God, you're just trying to ruin my fun. Or maybe he knows that there are consequences that that are emotional, these other things that are going into it. Hey, don't look at things you're not supposed to, not because I want to keep you from, it, but because maybe he knows. Hey, be careful here in this area of your life. Don't put bad things in your body. Because maybe he knows. Do you ever think about that? That maybe God knows? And he, like a parent who's saying, don't touch a hot stove, trying to help you. And then then we go, wow, had I known that would have happened. (laughs) Right? Church, we have to stop believing the lies that the enemy is telling us. Because what it has done is it has separated us from God. We know that, because that sin continually gets in there and separates us. And yet we believe the lies over and over and over. And here's the deal, Satan, he learned with these three simple lies, he could just do these over and over to people. You think about how many things have gone wrong. Spiritually, when you've gone away from God, that probably falls under one of those lies. He, he just used the same ones, and so we need to begin to look at those lies. And then start recognizing that because of that, there's, there's symptoms in our life. There's things that we can recognize. Even though we may not have seen the lie for itself. there's symptoms that come out of those lies that we have to t- begin to recognize so that when we see the symptom, we can start correcting the behavior. The first symptom I see, I see in here is, the, is shame. Look at this, because Adam and Eve, they walk through them. If you go to verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Just a point, by the way, interesting fact. You notice where Adam was? He was with her the whole time, all right? He heard everything that was going on. It says he gave to who was with her. That's just something I want you to see. It wasn't that it was just Eve's fault. So he was there the whole time. Then their eyes of of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed the fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Their eyes were open, and they began to see, hey, we did something that we shouldn't have, and shame came upon them, and so they had to cover themselves. When, when we get into a place where we're feeling shame about something we have done, that's a pretty good symptom to say, hey, what happened here? What have I done to get that? Now, it's not a place where you go, I need to power through this shame. And yet, as I say it, it sounds funny, but yet as Christians, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, I'll get past this, or oh, it's okay, that's just, I'm, I don't know, that guilty feeling, that shame I had. And, and here's the deal, uh, Pastor Phil, I think it's him who says this, if it's not, he's getting credit for it, um, has used the phrase, this pride goes before the fall, but shame will keep you there. And when we have those mess-ups in life, our pride kind of kind of puts it because we think we know better, we bought into the lie, but our shame keeps us from actually coming out of that. And when we recognize that symptom, we have to begin to correct that. The, the second thing you'll see, symptom you'll see, is a broken fellowship with God. And here's what it says: when the woman, um, if you go down, their eyes were open. They made coverings. They saw themselves naked. It says in verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the, of the Lord God, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And, and okay, and I'm using a lot of when we are little kids because I think that that's we have a, we have a God who's a father, who's a, a, a parent, and I feel sometimes we don't think this is for us, but God speaks to us, like children because sometimes we act like them right and 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 so when I was a little kid when I would get in trouble and I I wish I could tell you that I was a good kid when I was little but I wasn't um my dad was a pastor, and I was the kid in church who everybody knew that they could spank. Uh, back when spanking was okay, um, and, and and so like literally, it'd be like, "Hey, that's the hammock boy. Yep, just give him a swat. He'll need it at one point in time." Um, and so literally, I, was, I just spanked by everybody growing up, and that's how there was a time when I was like six or seven. I was a, I grew up in Tennessee as a little southern boy, and I came home one day from hanging out with my friends, where I go, "Mama, I didn't get a spanking all day," and she goes, "The day's not over yet, son." Um, I was just that kid. I, and luckily I grew out of that, I think. Um, but when I would get in trouble at home, when I would do something I knew was wrong, one of the things that I would do is I would go to my room, close the door, and then play as quietly as possible, right? Because the goal was is that maybe, just maybe, they won't figure out it was me, or I, they just won't find me, right? It's like that something would happen. And then all of a sudden, and I'm, I'm there, I'm playing with my toys. like It's quiet. Oh, I hope they don't hear me. I'll find me. And all of a sudden I'd hear, Daniel, Keith, get down here right now because that's what my mom called me when I got in trouble. So I know my middle name really well, by the way. Um, and so I'd go down there, right, and they, it would find me because I was hiding because I thought, hey, that would protect me at the time. Ad, Adam and Eve did the same thing. Said, okay, hey, we, we knew we did something wrong and we, and we ran. And they began to what would happen is they separated themselves even further from God. I don't know when 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 Things happen in your life when, when you do something that you know you shouldn't. Maybe you stop coming to church more. Maybe you stop reading your Bible more because you feel guilty when you do. Maybe you stop listening to Christian music as much. Whatever that, that element is, to me that's a broken fellowship and that's the same as hiding, right? And we've all gotten to that place. And, he, and here's, here's the thing. Anytime you've experienced those those moments, it's not always because you did something wrong. I hope you know it's not always that, but it's not a bad place to at least start. God, did I do something to break our fellowship? Did Did I do something that has separated you and I to why I feel this way? That's a great place to start. The hard part is actually listening for the answer, because he might say, yeah, you did. And then there's other times he might say, no, I think we can move forward, I, there's something else going on, but we have to recognize the symptoms to ask the question. The, the third thing is you'll see broken relationships with others as well. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to them, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Notice it's a very simple question. It's yes or no, right? It's not circle maybe in the middle. It's, hey, did you eat from it or not? And see the answer that was here. The man said... The woman you put me here with, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. The Lord said to the woman, well, what is this you have done? So he goes, okay, then what did you do? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Do you notice what happened there? There, there became this little blame game of what was going on. And how, how quickly do we do that in life? When mistakes are made, we love to point that it, no, it's her. Remember, we go back to, Adam was there the whole time. And yet the first thing Adam did, goes, it was her. Like, I have a feeling that he actually backed up when he did it. It was her. She's the only example you have, right? Because that's what we do. Hey, something's going on in my life, and and so we begin to blame others. And what happens is relationally we break down. It's always someone else's fault. Church, we need to learn to own our actions. Once again, when we start doing this, it's not always because we did something wrong. And sometimes the other person is at fault, but we have to own what we can own. When we see relational breakdowns, we have to own our part in that and stop playing the blame game. And when we do, we have to say, Lord, what have I done here? What's my part in this whole thing? The, the fourth thing that we see here, the symptom, is that life's consequences actually happen. You notice in here, verse 14 says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, and then gave a set of consequences there. To the woman, verse 16, he said, And then gave a set of consequences there. To Adam, in verse 17, he said, Because you have done this, and he gave a set of consequences there. And then in verse 21, he says, The Lord God made garments for skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Remember, Satan said that would happen. He says, hey, they get, what they get it. This is, he wasn't lying for that. He just didn't tell them the full story. He says, You will be like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life anymore. That's that, that gives them long life, the tree of life to eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And then after that, he he closed up the garden and, and blocked it. There were consequences to the actions. For us as believers, sometimes we think, hey, I'm a believer, so I don't have to deal with the consequences or... I'm surprised by the consequences, and I'm wondering sometimes if we're living in those consequences, how much we say, "Okay, well, God doesn't really love me." Instead of recognizing God loves me so much, He understands there has to be that. And once again, I want because I want you to know it's not always because you did something wrong, but it's always the first place that you can start. Hey, God, what did I do? Did I I do something that separated us? Because when sin is in our life, that typically is what happens. It separates us. I want to go back to that picture of God and his people on the two cliffs, right? Because what happened here is that people over here and God over here, the separation is a chasm that's caused by sin. We have to understand that. And every single one of us is at fault. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And so if we all have messed up, we have all had a part in that chasm. And so that's where we live, right? We live on these two cliffs and we're trying to get to God and we're sitting here going, hey, how do I get over there? And what, what we want to do is, over the next several weeks on the series called The Bridge, is we want to help us connect to the other side of the story. Because discovering the other side of the story is discovering God over there, right? And we know that. We want to be there. But sometimes we don't know how to get there. Hey, and spoiler alert, spoiler because I, I don't know if you know this, the end of the story is Jesus Christ. Right? And there's a picture there I want you to see um, is, is that we have the, the, the chasm, but Jesus Christ... is the spoiler. I hope we understand that because Satan's going to keep tricking us, but we have to understand that we got to get there. And here here it is. I want you to look at Romans chapter 5 because God, he puts this together for us, and I love what he says here. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Verse 19, it's in your bulletin too, and I'm reading out the New Living Translation. I love how they said this here. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. That's what we just talked about, right? Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, though, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through other man uh, through other man Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumphant over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, here it is. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many become sinners. Here it is. But because the one person's obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Church, that's exciting. Okay? That's a lot of words to say. God sent Jesus to be the bridge of that separation. The question I have is what bridge are you on? Because here's the deal. Anytime you're not on a bridge or a path that's leading towards God, you're on a bridge to nowhere. You hear me? Anytime you're on a path or a bridge that does not go towards God, you're on a bridge to nowhere. Just like that first picture, the landscape may have changed, that bridge is sitting there, it was to nowhere. And I'm curious on what bridge are you on today? What is going on in your life that you say, God, I don't feel I've been pointing towards you. I have been believing a lie that is just not true. I've been having these symptoms. I didn't even know was you trying to tell me. I'm on the wrong path a wrong bridge. What bridge are you on today that God is calling you back to follow His? One bridge. The only bridge. Remember, the purpose of a bridge to get over something that we couldn't or an obstacle that could be detrimental to who we are we're seeking out a bridge that can do that for us and the answer is Jesus and anything else is nowhere just falling into a chasm of separation what bridge are you on? Lord, we just thank you so much today for giving us your son, Jesus, for giving us a place where we can come and know you better. God, today, maybe there's people in this room who have just been saying, I'm struggling right now. Lord, I have not felt close to you. I have been doubting your word. I I have been believing a lie, Lord. And today, I want to change that. God, today, Say, Lord, I want to see you. I'm tired of living in a desperate place where I don't know where to go, but I I want to be desperate for you. So, Lord, this morning, may we see you. Great are you, Lord, in everything you do, and especially in giving us the bridge. It's in your name we pray.